Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. Welcome to Pace and Freedom Podcast, where we have amazing conversations as always. And today, I have as guest Theodore. He is the executive director of Crowdfunded Government. You can check out his website, crowdfundedgovernment.com. And we'll be discussing this ideology of crowdfunding government. Basically, it would be a system that would replace taxes where the citizen can voluntarily fund programs, government programs, instead of being forced at gunpoint by paying taxes and not knowing where this money is going and just total chaos as it is now and violent way of funding programs that maybe we don't even need. And his system would allow people to choose where the money needs to go to, where they think the money should go to, and eliminate programs that maybe we don't think is important. Now, you would think that this is something that libertarians would be on board with, but that's not the experience Theodore has had. So we'll be talking about this on our conversation. But first, I just wanted to mention that we have some new products on the Pace and Freedom merchandise store. You can check that out at paceandfreedom.webnode.com and just click on merchandise and check out the new merchandise I have. And please feel free to donate. Your donations will contribute to making more and better content. Also, if you're interested in buying some amazing coffee, if you're a coffee condenser like I am, my wife just made fun of me not too long ago about having, I don't know how many different styles of coffees <laughs> on our counter. Um, check out www.anarchocoffee.com forward slash PIF. Now you have to use that link if you want to help me out because when you purchase using that link, I get a little kickback for the podcast. And buy some amazing coffee. This is all organic coffee. It is packaged fresh. It doesn't sit around. Uh, it's roasted and then packed and then sent to, to you. And you will be supporting this podcast and other great liberty movements through Anarcho Coffee. It's an amazing coffee. I, I, I enjoy it. It gives me energy. You can tell I'm all wired up right now. So there's that. And look up the website. If you think that you want a uh, you want to advertise on Pace and Freedom podcast, you want to sponsor the podcast or sponsor one episode, please check out the website. There's a form. You can fill it out. Tell me what you're looking for, and we can get you on. With that, we're going to move to our pre-roll announcement, and then we'll join Theodore for an amazing conversation about crowdfunded government. Hey, James, what you got there? Oh, just CBD gummy bears. Gummy bears with CBD, you mean? How do they smell? Just like candy, but with just CBD. Here, let me smell them. Oh, they do smell like candy. Yeah, it's my daily supplement that helps me with creativity and helps me focus on my conversations with guests and listeners. Check it out. JustCBDStore.com. 
and check out all of their amazing products. Alright, I'm pulling it up right now. Just make sure to use my 20% off discount code, TIF. Alright, welcome to Pace and Freedom. Today, I have the executive director of crowdfundedgovernment.com. He's has been in a few libertarian podcasts now, and it's a great privilege to have you on my podcast. I've been getting a a lot of good vibes from you. I really like your what you're doing, and I really wanted you on my podcast. And then you responded to a comment or a tweet that I put out, and I tagged you, and that was awesome. I was like, oh, sweet. Now I can actually talk to the guy. So, Theodore. Well, thank you, James. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for the invitation. The honor is all mine. After John Phillips and Raylene Lightheart, you got to be kidding me. Now you're having me? How do I follow that? (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's been uh, been a weird ride with this podcast. Uh, I never expected to get such great guests uh, starting off so, uh, so quickly. So... I must be doing something right. I'd say so. Very entertaining work from what I've heard. So uh, my name's Theodore. I'm the executive director of Crowdfunded Government. You can find the blog at crowdfundedgovernment.com. You can find me in the mean streets and Twitter at crowdfundedgov. And we are here to talk about how we fund government and why we fund it the way we do. and Maybe a way that we could fund government better. And the way you think that we can fund government better is through crowdfunding right voluntary crowdfunding without taxation and that should be something that a lot of libertarians would love not having to pay taxes but we're still trying to fund a government and there's a lot of libertarians that don't like funding government yeah there's a there's uh from all ends of the political spectrum there is always disagreement with what government is doing i have yet to meet a single person who is happy with every single dollar that they pay to government and every single program that government does with that money so that's the reason i feel very optimistic about the idea so tell us a little bit more about this idea what is crowdfunded government the idea behind crowdfunded government would be you take the existing political system that we have now. We have a constitution, we have voting, we have politicians. The twist to a crowdfunded government is simply to make the funding voluntary. The simple proposal that I have is that taxation should never be required. You should never be told how much money to pay or what to pay it for. All government programs should be listed transparently, and you should have the ability to voluntarily crowdfund each government program. So how did you uh, come up with this idea? Because it sounds, to me, it sounds pretty logical. I mean, we live in a day in the 21st century where technology is at its peak. Uh, We can have systems that where you can log on to an account, put in your debit card and fund the things that you want to fund. And I've put out this idea and that's how you and I got connected was because I like brought it up in a, uh, in a response to a tweet and people were calling us crazy. Like, how did we come up with this idea that this would be a, a good way of funding government? So how did you come up with it? Well, James, first of all, it is crazy. And I'll double back on that idea in a second. Um, me, about a decade ago when I was in college, I studied um, political science. Um, the idea is that uh, I was always a big fan of how government operates, what are the laws, how does it fund itself. But I never really had this crazy idea, Um, although it's certainly not my idea, right? I didn't invent the idea of you should choose what your taxes go to, and I certainly didn't invent the idea that 
we shouldn't have taxation um, involuntarily. But uh, the idea was proposed to me by uh, my roommate in college, and I kind of laughed at him, and I told him all the reasons why it was a stupid idea, why we needed taxes, why we needed more taxes, and how the government can do even more for the people. And uh, over the years, I've begun to really kick around the idea in my head. And a few years ago, I got tired of, uh, of kicking around in my head, and my friends told me they were done talking about it with me. So I uh, created the blog, created the, uh, the Twitter account, and ever since then, I've been trying to spread the good word as far as I can. So let me back up a little bit. So you said that 10 years ago, you were for taxes, and we needed to fund the government with more taxes. So you became a crowdfunded government believer before you became a libertarian, would you say? Or did you become a libertarian and then a crowdfunded government? Well, I'll, I'll, square, I'll square away that uh, many libertarians don't like me uh, because I'm not a libertarian. <laughs> and uh, we, will, we will certainly get into the specifics of exactly why um, when we kind of dig into the idea, because I'll give you the, the spoiler alert is I don't believe that government should be restrained by libertarian principles. So essentially, if people want to voluntarily crowdfund a terrible government that violates the non-aggression principle that hurts people and takes their stuff. I'm all for it. Um, I, I am an apolitical individual in, in running an apolitical movement. But we'll jump back to that in a second. So just to correct the record, yes, a, as you did say, I was very opposed to this idea when I first heard it. And I w- was very traditional when I was studying um, politics and studying government very traditional thinker in the sense that government is very important and runs important programs. And if important programs don't get enough funding, important things will not happen in society. Therefore, people must have a gun in their face in order to pay for government programs. This is how I, I thought for years. So that, now, that kind of doubles back to why why is the idea not, why do I not feel bad whenever people kind of challenge us on Twitter? Because I was that person. I was that person for years. Uh, my, my college roommate would, would tell me about this kind of stuff, and I told him he was nuts. So I've, I've, been, I've been the critic. I've been the critic for years. And uh, is your roommate then now with you in this um, kind of movement? Did, you, did, did he join with you, or did he change his mind, or what happened there? He's if you don't a, mind me uh, asking. Oh, that's... That that's fine. He's a uh, he's a large influence. I talk to him all the time I can about um, different ideas that I have. Um, not actively involved. He would uh, he would prefer to do other things with his free time besides argue with people who are wrong <laughs> on the internet, <laughs> which I, I love. So I'm all about it. Um, but no, I do have to give him credit because he was the first person to mention something as radical as this at a time where I really didn't. I really didn't accept it, but I do reflect on it that he was the first person to actually bring it to my attention very seriously. Nice. I mean, for for me, when I first heard about crowdfunded government, I'll be honest, I wasn't convinced completely because of the same thing as most libertarians think. Why would fund government in any way like that? And if we are going to have a government, it needs to be funded through taxes to maintain itself because if you crowdfund and make it voluntarily, nobody's going to pay taxes, and then the government would exist anyways, Uh, which I would think that most libertarians would love that, right? The fact that people have choices, the choice not to pay taxes and risk that there wouldn't be a government, I think would be a libertarian wet dream. 
Yeah, it depends on which side of the spectrum. There are definitely libertarians that are more minarchist and libertarians that are more anarchist. And exactly. um, yeah, they, 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 the anarcho-libertarian side would love that. But obviously, the objection that you brought up is very relevant for the, the minarchist side, uh, which believe that there is a roles that must be provided by government. And if government doesn't put a gun in people's faces, well, gosh darn it, they're not going to pay for important programs. What don't you right. understand about that, James? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you, you know, you converted me to this uh, crowdfunding idea, so I don't know. Now I can't even think back to the time that I uh, was, uh, you know, a I'll, taxpayer, follower, I'll, believer, I'll, whatever you want to call it. I'll take you back there. I'll, I'll take you right back there, okay? People are greedy. People are selfish. Um, nobody wants to donate money. Um, that's the reason why charities fail is because people don't okay. donate enough money. People are too greedy. Um, and we have to steal from them. Otherwise, people aren't going to pay for border security. They're not going to pay for roads. They're not going to pay for clean drinking water. Um, so this is the this is the thinking that goes into that. Now, the logical flaw, as you can tell, I guess I always tip my hat whenever I make these straw man arguments, is because these are clearly important things that people want out of government. And if people right. want things, they will pay. It's logical. Right. Things can't be important, and then people say, yeah, I guess pothole filling is important, but I don't want to pay for it. One, Both can't be true. Either it's right. not important or it is. Which one is it? Right. And, you know, what I think I love the most about the crowdfunded idea is it would break down government to – or force government to break down to smaller governments, right? It would force – local governments to take a bigger role in taking care of themselves if they are able to set up this system where, like you said, if potholes is important in San Diego, California, for example, that's going to be put into the system and people can donate into it. Uh, and then, you know, problem resolved. And I'm not paying for potholes, let's say, in Temecula, California. I'm paying for my own community. You bring up a very uh -huh. important point because even though I do argue that crowdfunded government is an apolitical, nonpartisan idea, I do impart a small amount of um, uh, politics into it where I do believe in localization. I do believe that the government that governs most local is going to be the best. And it's also because I don't have the answers for what we do with the federal government. Um, it's, it, it does appear to be um, almost too large to maintain. I mean, it currently spends a trillion dollars more than it brings in, um, at least right. on the books, as we can, you know, every, you know, you can talk to people much smarter than me about how the numbers that, that government reports are fudged or involving projections and involving current revenue that isn't actually accurately represented because we're also borrowing a lot of money that goes on the books twice or three times. I'm not, I'm not as smart as some people you could talk to about that. But the bottom line is that when you look at the whole system, I don't see how the current system continues where the federal governments are spending an incredible amount. The state governments, by and large, are spending also incredible amounts. Um, there has to be some type of localization in order to prioritize spending, figure out what we can do at the community level. And I even like taking it down from the city level. I like going down to the neighborhoods. I like so much of what we do at the city level, bringing it down to the, the neighborhood, the block, 
the street. Let's all deal with our own backyards first. Once everybody's got right. their own their own community ready to go, they'll be more than more than happy, willing, and generous to give to other communities that may not have all the resources they do. But that really should be where we focus because that's where people are going to be the most interested in contributing to government. There's such a feeling whenever you pay your federal taxes, they go to this labyrinth of programs that you you're giving money to people in other states you're funding overseas military adventures you're doing so much so many things with federal dollars that it's no wonder that people get so turned off and that you just have to wonder what of these things could be funded more locally for example um for example the the medical care for the elderly um and uh medical care for uh, or and and retirement for uh for the elderly what are some other alternatives that we could do locally or at a state level that you might get more excited about? If you could see the effects of your dollars happening locally, you might be more excited about these types of transfer payments as opposed to right now where you just you just dump the money into a pot and it gets lit on fire. Right. Exactly. And I would think, you know, when I was looking at your explanation of crowdfunding, it reminded me of something also that I think it would be very beneficial is inflation, right? Right now, you know, the government just keeps borrowing, borrowing, borrowing money to offset, I guess, what they're not making off of taxes, right? And which creates inflation because now you're putting more money into the system. With the crowdfunded system, there's no need for government to really borrow money anymore because they'll be able to fund whatever it's is in the pot. Let's say, for the different programs, which would reduce inflation, correct? Would that be fair? uh, I do argue that government borrowing is immoral and should not be done. And under a crowdfunded system, you couldn't do it because it's a dollar in, dollar out system. And if you really want to borrow for something, all you need to do is set up a program a decade in the future and save for it and create you know, the incentives for people to look at a program and say, we need this much by a decade from now, instead of the way we do it now, which is borrow and just add it to these astronomical debts. Now, you get into the inflation discussion, and you start to get a little bit away from my specialty or my focus, um, because there's a lot of different opinions on monetary policy. Like I love talking about fiscal policy because I think I really have it nailed down, um, but right. the monetary policy gets a little bit tricky and obviously I'm educated enough to at least take a stab at it, but I, I really don't like to um, for a few reasons. The first one is that um, there's so many different opinions of people who may disagree with some of the things that I might think on monetary policy, but would agree with me on fiscal policy. Um, so much of what I try to do is I try to not turn people off of the crowdfunded government argument by trying to extrapolate my, my arguments further because there's a lot of different opinions about inflation and a lot of different opinions about Um, the good and bad of the way that the Federal Reserve manages the currency and how much is printed versus how much is borrowed versus how much is destroyed and how much is lent out overnight to the banks. And there's so many different aspects to it that I I try to just stay out of it. But you do bring up in general, I, I see the point you're bringing up, which is we shouldn't be borrowing from the future for things that we want now. And as a society, the most immoral thing that we're doing is the money that the government is spending today is not being paid back. It is being added to a credit card that is continuing to add up for the future. And I can't think of anything worse to do to a future generation than to saddle them into slavery uh, with the right. debt that, that the government has continued to put on us. I mean, you and I were born into it and you and I will die into it, which is that we 
our generation did not pay back the debts of our previous generation as they did not theirs. Right. Now, in your blog, you explain about uh, paying back. Even if we started this system, we would still have to pay back the debts that we still owe. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you want to get into it because it's a little bit uh, CFG kind of 201 as opposed to CFG 101, but I'm happy to have the discussion because it does raise a good point. At, at every level of at government, we have a few different items that need to be paid for every year. We have the money that's been borrowed that needs to be paid back. We have uh, future planned money. For example, in Illinois, the big one is the pensions. We've, we've made constitutional at the state level, constitutional promises to retirees and pensioners that their money must be paid. Um, and then the other thing to consider uh, is the costs of running a system like a crowdfunded government. So those are three costs that it's very difficult, if not impossible, to properly to properly fund and avoid default. And that's the reason why I've introduced the idea that if, uh, if a crowdfunded government system was going to be realistic, every single thing can't be crowdfunded. Because if the government defaults on its debt, if the government defaults on its pension obligations, uh, if the government can't afford to run the crowdfunded system, it the the whole system collapses. So to alleviate that issue, I created what I what I termed an overhead, which would basically be saying, here's the amount of debt and the amount of future promised payments and the amount that it takes to run a crowdfunded system. And that would get taken out on a percentage basis of the total amount collected. Um, so that's how I tried to avoid the the idea that the system could default. Okay. I can see that. Because... Uh, I would think that, you know, if we're going to just start a new system, why not start off from scratch? But the way you explain it, uh, I, I get it now simply because I'm, I'm thinking like, for example, Social Security, right? Uh, I hear a lot of libertarians that will say, oh, let's just get rid of Social Security and just have people start, you know, find their own 401k. But we have already paid into this that now it's owed back to us. So unless they're going to pay that in a lump sum back to it so we can put it in a 401k it wouldn't really be beneficial to anybody for it not to be paid back yeah essentially this is where this is one of my very pragmatic discussions where i my goal is not to just propose a pie in the sky idea because these these required entitlement spendings are a very serious thing that must be paid back um, and the idea that I, I want to be a purist and I want to say, well, every single dollar that the government spends should be crowdfunded. You know, sometimes I do say that, um, you know, when I'm on Twitter and I'm just trying to be quick and snappy. But if you really sit me down and talk about how the idea should work, we have to think of a way to deal with existing debt and existing pension obligations and the overhead of running the, the system of financing without defaulting. Um, and I think if, if I were to take what you had mentioned, which is the approach that, you know what, burn it down end social security and future pension payments start fresh, it's too unrealistic. It's unpalatable. And I never want to give a reason for somebody who is otherwise interested in the idea to say, yeah, but you kind of blow it on the, uh, you kind of blow it on the actual, how do you take the current government and turn it around discussion? What can be done by the way is localization. 
which is mm -hmm. how do we deal with these federal guarantees of retirement is we begin to localize and figure out solutions at the state level and the city level and the neighborhood level for dealing with the medical needs and retirement needs of people who are no longer contributing to the system, but still deserve the payout that they were promised and that they're statutorily due under the current law. Um, that's, that's the reason why I push localization because I don't, I mean, if you look at the actuarial tables of social security, Medicare, and many states, Medicaid's, it's just not going to work. Um, the money will never be there in the future under our current system. So local solutions to try to take that burden off of the federal government is where I want to push everybody for really tough solutions like that. Absolutely. And, and that's where I think I was going to go with that. It's like libertarians, when we see libertarians run for offices, there's a lot of libertarians that go to way too radical and it, it becomes, like you said, unpalatable for people to, to vote for a libertarian, right? When we see candidates like, uh, oh, what's his name? Burn, uh, Burham? Burnham. Burnham. You know, just wanting to okay, let's just remove tax, you know, no more taxes. That's just for people to just think of, well, where's this money, how we're going to fund government. It's just I, unrealistic. I actually reached out to uh, him because I, I wanted him to take, take me as his counsel. I said, could you please just, just say you're going to do a crowdfunded government. So you actually have an answer that makes sense because right, I, love, exactly. I love a taxation is theft hat, you know, like he's got my attention. I, I retweet every taxation is theft <laughs> see because it, it is, it's theft, it's extortion, it's slavery, it's whatever argument the libertarians want to have about what word to use about it. Um, but his platform is specifically missing that real succinct answer to, okay, Absolutely. yeah, no taxes. So now what? So I, I reached out to him. He wasn't interested, but, um, that that is the uh, that is what I'm focusing on, which is realistic solutions. And if if I could drop back real quick, I can I can run yeah. you through a, a realistic another very pragmatic idea that I have. Sure, go for it. I, sorry to steal the mic, but I just you you got me on you got me on a roll here <laughs> in regards to being realistic. I know that's what I love. That's what I love doing. Yeah. So the the idea is that if I'm actually pitching a, a voluntarily crowdfunded government to uh, a normal person, and what I mean by normal is somebody who doesn't spend all day on Twitter arguing about liber libertarianism and anarchy, which is most of the people that like to interact with me, um, right. I would start with a very pragmatic approach, which would be, oh, there's one of two ways we can do this. Either you start to choose where some of your money goes. Let's say 5% of your property taxes, you can put them in one bucket or another bucket. Um, that's one idea to consider and or another idea might be let's let's take property taxes and cut them by 5% and then cut them from these certain programs that we have determined are the least quote unquote essential and see if people want to make up the difference on that 5%. Um, those both of those ideas are ways to introduce choice and voluntarily choosing your amount to give. And let's just see. Let's see if people want to give more to government or, you know, whether people want to choose which programs they go to. It could be that people are very happy with the way things are. Um, I don't right. think that's the case. I truly don't believe that from talking to people. Nobody seems to be happy with how much they pay in tax and what their programs go to. People either want to pay less or they want to pay more. And people either want it to go more to that program or more to that program. It seems right. to be that I believe the proof would be in the pudding. But what I'm trying to emphasize here is 
taking a very pragmatic approach, especially when I'm talking to somebody who has more of a, a conventional political approach, is very important to me. I, I don't I don't just say, hey, man, starting tomorrow, no taxes, you know, lay all the programs out and let's voluntarily give to them. It's a thousand dollar. It's a thousand year idea. It is not a a 10-year idea. It's not a 10-month idea. It's not a 10-day idea. It's a, I'm thinking a thousand years. If you really wanted a realistic amount of time it would take to get from here to a voluntarily crowdfunded government. I give myself that much time because the system that we've had has been this way for thousands, if not over 10,000 years, where you give your money to the king or the king kills you and then the king decides what the money goes to. Um, right. So how do you transition out of that? I believe you transition very slowly. And so now you can start to understand why do collapsitarians not like me? Why do anarchists not like me? Why do a lot of libertarians not like me? Um, even though you, we have some common ground, um, because, right. I'm too, because I'm too pragmatic, um, because I believe in incrementalism, because I believe that the first thing we need to do is get control of the majority of voters onto our idea. I think... I'm a believer in political change. Um, I'm, right. I'm not a believer in burning it down, and I'm not a believer in just screaming from a street corner about my crazy idea until I die. I'm a believer in let's start some incremental steps that I believe will lead to people wanting more freedom and more voluntarism in the way that they spend their money. Right. I mean, and I think that's a pretty good, like, realistic goal, um, but I feel like we can still step ahead a little bit faster. Have you ever thought about trying to implement crowdfunding government in local levels of like newer um, incorporation, incorporated cities or townships and, or even in third, in third world countries where they could use a system like this that might get them a little bit more ahead? I dream about it all the time. Now, one of the most, I think, uh, uh, sort of where you're going with that question or maybe an implication that's usually used pretty on a snidey way to me on Twitter is if this is such a good idea and you're such a believer in the free market, why isn't crowdfunded government the way we do it now? Um, because in order to do a crowdfunded government, I believe it's been unrealistic until about a decade ago. What you need, you need the certain ingredients, which are you need a robust Internet for research you need social media in order to get expert opinions and debate and really get down to the nitty gritty on all the different programs. And that's a great way, by the way, for influencers to tell people how they would distribute their money, which kind of simplifies the whole question of how can people who don't spend all day every day focusing on politics understand which programs to give to and which ones not. Social media is a great way. Influencers and social right. media would be that answer, which is I, I do the Ben Shapiro program. Oh, me, I do the, the Jordan Peterson program. You know, I like I like the way they think. I just click their button and I give my money the way they want me to. Um, that kind of simplifies that discussion. But most importantly, crowdfunding technology. That's the real element that was not present a few decades ago. How could you possibly right. take a dollar from 300 million people? Can you just imagine back in the 70s or 80s taking a dollar from hundreds of millions of people at once? So would everybody do an electronic funds transfer from their bank to a central location? Would everybody put a dollar or a check for a dollar in an envelope and mail it in? How it's Crowdfunding is unthinkable without the technology that we have today. So to bring it back to your question, that's the reason why I don't believe that it has happened right now. And that's what I think. That's my vision is that we find the right people. But what am I missing? I'm missing the politicians. I'm missing the 
either existing politician who wants a boost and to really invigorate their base, or I'm missing a new guy or gal who wants to be mm-hmm. a politician and believes that their entrenched system is so corrupt that they would they would do a very good job running on a more voluntary choice with what your government does with your money platform. Um, it's right. not there yet, and I'm not surprised that it's not there yet because you're talking about some you're talking about some serious infrastructure that would need to be built in terms of right. the there'd be so many different there'd be so many different parts, and I'm more than happy to try to help make this happen. But you'd need your politicians to actually do it, or potential politicians. You'd need your academics to write the the legalese for how this would work from a legal perspective. Um, you would need people like me, except actually good at what they do, which would be spreading the message and fighting the good fight. You know, I try to do the best I can, but I'm just one man. I, I can't uh, I can't fight every battle on the internet about um, voluntarily crowdfunding government. So, right. In order to accomplish that goal, which would be, you definitely started a small town. You definitely start in a county. You definitely start. You got an interesting idea. You start with a country with political instability that just needs some type of interesting direction forward to unify the people. I guess I never really gave that one too much thought. That's actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah, write it down. <laughs> it's down. It's in the notebook. Now I'm going to start looking for the, the countries, some some type of breakaway part of a country where there's just nothing going on. Did I just, just right. convince myself to move to Somalia? I, I think you did. <laughs> I just moved to Somalia myself. But no, you're absolutely right. What do I think the right steps would be? You identify an area with a smaller population. And the reason I believe that that's more realistic is because you need to convince that fewer number of stakeholders or potential voters to get involved in the system. Um, And then that's the big problem for me, just, just personally, is I live in Chicago. I hate Chicago, but I like Chicago, if that makes any sense at all. Um. There's so much. I, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I was I lived there for three years. <laughs> okay. There's there there's so much to hate about Chicago from a political perspective, but there's so much to love about Chicago: the the geography, the weather, the people, um, the culture. I, I love it, and so I don't believe you're ever going to find me going to that small town or that small county and pushing for the idea um, on a political level, and of course. That's the reason I kind of focus on the smaller population, much like you had mentioned, because the bigger population, I'm be t- trying to take 3 million people, you know, it's, it's, that's, a, uh, that's, that's a much tougher sell than 300. Definitely. I can think of also some examples of where crowdfunding, a crowdfunded system really worked really well. And again, it, it does come down to a smaller population, but I've seen the Mormon church, the LDS church, they have a... a you know, they pay their tithings, which is, I think, uh, 10% of their tithings into the system. It used to be they just would just pay it straight to the church and the church would decide how it's spent. And just as of recently, they actually have now where they can go online to the church's website and they would either give their 10% tithing to the general fund or they have the choice to spend their 10% into different programs that the church has, which is either charity for uh, welfare for the members, for the lower income members to help build churches around the world and stuff like that. And it seems to be working pretty well. I mean, you look at the, the LDS church now and it's a pretty widespread, worldwide spread church and they're building churches everywhere so it must be working 
I love the idea of more voluntary choice, no matter which organization you're giving to. But I think that kind of tells the whole story of why it would work well for government, because even in a, a church for a true believer, they, the church might be doing some things that they're not 100% on board with. That's very likely that they say, you know, right. I love whenever we give to the poor, but I hate whenever we build new churches. Can't can't we just keep right. up this this food thing? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So therefore, the church would say, okay, if you want to give your money specifically to that fund that only deals with the charitable services for the poor, perfect. Here's the bucket. Right. Give your money. And some people might say, you know, I'm not I'm not too much on that giving money to the to the poor thing. What we really need is evangelicals and new churches to help, you know, so you can see both sides. And that ties, that's actually a great tie into what my belief is with voluntarily crowdfunding the government, which would be that people hate taxes in general. And I don't believe it's always comes down to they hate it because of the coercion, even though obviously that's a huge factor. A lot of people have told me and they argue it. And I just heard it. I won't name names uh, quite yet, but I just heard it on a podcast today that I was listening to where somebody argued the point that I don't mind paying taxes. I like paying taxes for the things that I want to go to. I just don't want them (laughs) going to the things I disagree with. And it's that type of thinking that is pretty pervasive out there that a lot of people don't mind the idea of contributing to their community and putting money into these buckets that they believe in. And so a very common problem that people bring to me is, well, I don't think a lot, I I think a lot of people aren't going to give very much. And I always say, I mean, ask people about taxes. Most of them are like, yeah, okay, we need roads, right? My roads, everybody needs my roads. Everybody agrees on my roads. Um, People will give to my roads. I'm telling you, ask, ask any statist. (laughs) They will tell you my roads is the reason why we have to have taxes. And it's like, okay, so taxes are voluntary. Would you give to the roads? Of course I'll pay for my roads. Okay, good. So we got that figured out. Um, so I believe that that is the idea, which would be if people could voluntarily give to the programs that they wanted to in the amounts that they wanted to, I think people might be in for a big surprise. I think with certain programs, another one I think of is the military, how people, people love the, the military benefits and the VA, and they love the idea of taking care of the actual soldiers out there doing the work. Um, I can only imagine certain government programs receiving more than they've budgeted each year. Because people truly believe and want to give more to certain programs. And I'll be honest, I certainly can envision certain programs getting little to no money. Because they are truly pork projects, unpopular uh, subsidies, and things in government that most people don't want to voluntarily give any money to. Absolutely. And, you know, I was just thinking about that, too. I've actually put a lot of thought into this ever since I've heard about it and all the different um methods that can be used and how it would work. And I was talking to somebody also on Twitter and I brought it up as well, the whole, the crowdfunded government. And they were like, well, that makes no sense because people are not, you know, going to pay into it. If they have the choice not to pay taxes, they're not going to pay voluntarily pay for certain programs. But if we look at it also by at the business level, right? Let's just say Walmart, for example, wouldn't they want roads that actually people can drive on to get to their stores? So wouldn't Walmart also as an entity be able to fund into those programs and spend a little money in there as well? So that way they, that people can get to their stores. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a similar discussion on a podcast that didn't get published, unfortunately, with a uh, a very anti libertarian um, statist, where he was saying, you know, who would give to this bus program? And I'm like, employers, 
who need yeah. their employees to get to work on the bus. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's 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 the, with any program you mention, there are people who are incentivized to pay for it and are happy to pay for it. And if you think of a government program and you're like, huh, now who would probably give to that one? Gosh, I'm not sure about it. Well, I think you kind of got your answer on whether it's a program that government should be doing. Right, exactly. I got into, I, I think I mentioned this in a few podcasts already, this mini debate that I got into with another libertarian about immigration. I try to relate a lot of things to immigration because it's a topic that really means a lot to me. And we were talking about how immigrants you know, abuse the welfare system. And if they're using the welfare system, they shouldn't be here. And again, that's just a perfect example why the system that we have now doesn't work uh, appropriately. You put out a plate of cookies and you say, here, here's free cookies, which weren't free because you ended up paying for it through taxes, right? And there's a sign that says free cookies. It doesn't have any rules of who can pick up the cookie. It doesn't have any rules on how many you can grab. It's just there and it says free cookies. Aren't you going to grab a cookie, right? And it goes back to it's not free because we're paying the taxes for it. And why should anybody be punished for grabbing those cookies? I don't like how a lot of libertarians pick on people that use the welfare system. If you're an immigrant or not, it's a, it's essentially your fault for allowing government to allow people to grab it for free and you're paying into it. So if you don't want to pay into something like that, a crowdfunded system would work perfectly. Now you don't have to pay into a, pro- a welfare program. You can say, okay, I'd rather put in a, a fund a program that only helps people in my community or only helps people with this criteria instead of a blanket, you know, whoever wants to grab the welfare system can. So first of all, I love that you were having an argument with another libertarian. Nothing makes me I happier than nothing <laughs> makes me happier than libertarians arguing with other libertarians. Um, why I know is it, it's horrible. Is it the it's the only political ideology which which enjoys arguing with its own true believers than others? Do you ever see Democrats like going after each other's throats? Like what is this? what is the they're, deal with libertarians? They're learning. They're learning. Uh, that last debate uh, was kind of they they uh, kind of pulled some uh, tricks from from our from our book but no libertarians we really do we eat our own you know everybody's trying to they'll kiss and make up by the time for the election libertarians will still be arguing about yeah libertarians will still be arguing (laughs) the night before the election about um whether you're a true libertarian if you believe in borders or you don't you know you'll still exactly (laughs) people arguing now to back to that idea uh i love that for each hot button political issue I believe crowdfunded government has the answers, and uh, what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at let's look at the idea of immigration, and what ties into that would be border security. Um, the, so the first idea with crowdfunded government is the policies for immigration are set by politicians. Now, the enforcement of those policies is the voluntarily funded part. So, right. if politicians are proposing unpopular policies, like for example, a politician says, "I want." 10 million troops along the border to protect and they don't get the money. Well, you're not going to get 10 million troops. You might get 10 troops. You know, we'll, we'll see exactly what's in the budget for that. Now 
Now you take that into effect. Okay, so we have this much border security, and ultimately the naturalization immigration requirements are set statutorily, and if you don't like them, you got to vote harder. This is one of the things that people don't like about crowdfunded government is I still believe in the political process, which is you vote for the politicians who want to enact the policies that you want to see happen. So I can't fix everything. You know, politics is still broken in the sense that there will be politicians who will lie to you and they'll tell you they're going to do one thing and then ultimately agree with the other side to do another thing. I get it. Um, but let's just continue the example for a second, which you, you rolled into it, which is, okay, so now a certain percentage of people have either snuck through or have been allowed in, maybe overstaying their visa because there is or is not the budget to enforce visa enforcement. Now what? Well, under the current system, you have to pay for helping these people. Now, I'm not going to get into the morality of whether you should or not, because that's not my place. But that is an excellent place for the government to say the current budget to help out people who need these services is this much. How much do you want to give? And that is how the services should be decided for these people. So essentially what I'm trying to say is crowdfunded government lays out a plan, which is the politicians will be voted in to come up with the plan. It will either be funded or not. And then the cycle will repeat itself year after year. And people will either be happy with what they're receiving and what they're giving or they won't. People will either be disgusted that there's children in cages and we're going to put them in the Hilton, the five-star resorts. You know, that's what I was thinking when that whole children in cages thing came. And I was like, can you imagine if we voluntarily crowdfunded this whole cage thing? Dude, these people would be in the Hilton, in the penthouse suites. There's so much excitement (laughs) about taking care of these people. It's like so much of these political issues, people are forced to whine and cry and protest to no avail. And that's what I love about crowdfunded government is you can still whine and, and protest the, the political side of things. Like you should vote for my guy who has a better strategy than your guy. But the dollars is where the rubber hits the road. And that's what I'm so right. excited about, which is if you believe in something like, you know what? We should voluntarily pay for the border wall. Well, people threw up $20 million in a matter of days on top of the taxes they're already paying, on top of the charitable giving they're already giving. People threw down some serious change in a short amount of time for a border wall. That just goes to show you that when people are actually able to pay for the things that they want to pay for, they can and will. And people who didn't want to pay for that border wall, they didn't have to give a penny. And they could laugh at how stupid it was. Why isn't that the case for every government program? Let's talk about maybe some downfalls of crowdfunded government, right? With any system, there's always going to be a a downfall. I don't think any system is ever perfect. But a lot of similarities with the system that we have now and the crowdfunded system would be lobbying, right? Hmm, Lobbyists put a lot of money into different things for programs to take life. And this would be no different, correct? No, it's interesting you should mention that. I thought that crowdfunding government, actually one of the things when I was originally developing it several years ago, it actually solves largely solves the lobbying dilemma. Ooh, I'm I'm interested. Yeah, so here you go. (laughs) Follow along here because there's a bit of a twist, which is here's how lobbying currently works. I have government program X, and this government program, I need this money. It gives my corporation a huge amount of money. Now, in order to operate that program, the taxpayers are going to pay the bill. In order to get that program going, I need what's called a lobbyist who is going to create a plan, 
sandwich it in with some other laws and get it to the, the to the busybodies at Capitol Hill in order to get it to the politicians in order to get it into law and get me my money. Um, lobbying is one of the greatest returns on investment ever seen in human history as it stands right now. Now, are you with me so far on lobbying? So far. Okay. Now, let's turn this around and envision a crowdfunded government. So in a crowdfunded government, I do the same process. I really want government program X to give me all this money to my corporation. And all I need to do is hire a lobbyist. And the lobbyist is going to go convince all the busybodies who run around the politicians to convince the politicians to slam it into the law. Well, here's the twist. All of a sudden, that taxpayer money is not guaranteed. And in fact, it is only available if people voluntarily want to give to it. And you might say, well, what if the corporation wants to give the money themselves? Well, they'd have to do so on a one-to-one basis. Right. Lobbying no longer presents a huge return on investment. In fact, the opposite is true, that all of a sudden lobbying, you're no longer lobbying the politicians. You're lobbying the citizens. You're lobbying the taxpayers. You're lobbying the people who are actually spending the money, not the politicians anymore. A libertarian might say, well, wouldn't you risk now issues like the fake news? Uh, A lobbyist in a crowdfunded system could invest in making up some crazy story about, I don't know, a terrorist attack or whatever, and scare people into funding that, that program, program X. That's a great point. And sometimes when these points are brought up, I just have to say, how could it be any worse than under our current system? Where they, I love the, I love that kind of answer. I always answer that. For... <laughs> they, they steal it from you whenever there's a national crisis. At least we'd have a chance to fact check this stuff before we start dumping dollars down the hole. Definitely, definitely. At least if the next September 11th happens, God forbid there's some type of huge national emergency, everybody can get together before we just start bombing Afghanistan. Everybody should have like got together and said, all right, what's the evidence? Bush, what do you got? Where are we going with this? And he's like, I need $10 billion to go to Afghanistan. And we'd all say, for what? He'd be like, secret stuff. We got it. We got the guys, though. We know who to go after. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to give to the Red Cross right now, and we're going to kind of wait for you to kind of give us a little bit more direction on exactly what you think we should be spending our hard-earned money on, because we got a few thousand people dead. We got several thousand people injured, and they need our help right now. That's where our dollars are going to voluntarily go. Now, convince us in this time of national emergency exactly where the money's going to go. I believe there would have been much better directed funds toward the immediate help that was needed, and also... If there was a need for a military counteroffensive, I have no doubt that people, if they're given a if they're given a clear objective, that they will gladly wipe the adversaries out. The idea is that government is always flawed. The idea of giving people absolute political power over another, I'm sure as you know from hearing about anarchists, they'll tell you <laughs> it is it's always going to lead to failure and it's always going to lead to mistakes. It's always going to lead to irrational um, directions from the top. It's always going to lead to people wanting their politicians to do irrational things. Even maybe a majority of people occasionally wanting their politicians to do immoral or terrible things. Um, you know, right. we obviously Godwin's law, we go back to Nazi Germany, right? Where a majority of people didn't stand up and say, nope, we don't want this, right? That majority of people kind of said, I guess it's good enough, right? So government, like government will fail. Government will do terrible things. Uh, and crowdfunded government is not the answer. Crowdfunded government does not fix every problem you've ever identified with government. 
It just makes it a lot harder for government to steal and do bad things. Doesn't It doesn't prevent it. I can't solve all the world's problems. I can just create a system that makes it much less likely and creates a much more critical response from the populace whenever the government wants to spend money. I, I would absolutely just love to see this in in play. You know, uh, I just going back to imagine if we can just see a small country like, you know, Somalia, maybe a good example, or Chechnya or smaller country with a smaller population that actually needs some sort of change in their system to survive. This would be perfect. Have you ever thought about or have started to kind of develop some sort of uh, infrastructure for this? No, I'm just on the uh, I'm just on the basic steps. You know, I'm on like year four of one thousand. So okay. I'm just trying to <laughs> I'm just trying to formulate a basic philosophy. It's not that I came up with the idea again to repeat myself, but I will say this: that I am the only person. If you search the entire internet, I'm the only person in the world who pushes for this idea day in and day out. There is no other crazy human being who decided that this was the solution to humanity's problems. You can find plenty of people who agree with me and plenty of people who will tweet the idea, you know, as like an afterthought, like all government programs should be GoFundMes, you know, but then they'll go on mm-hmm. 20 other things and they'll, they'll lose a lot of people who would have just supported that idea. Um, right. So, that I'm only in the information stage right now. Basically, I have a website set up, a blog dedicated to kind of the bare bones of the idea, maybe answering some of the most fundamental objections that your statist uncle might have right off the bat. And then the whole goal here is just to build the movement. I just want to find people who want to help. And all I'm trying to go for right now is awareness. I just want to get the seed of the idea out there because so many people think of this idea And even like there was a great Joe Rogan, episode 1000. He was like, you know, I pay taxes. Why can't I choose where they go? And I was like, why? Yeah, (laughs) the idea is out there, right? It's not a crazy idea. However, then he was probably like, well, I guess, I don't know. What if nobody gives anything? You know, and it's just kind of like your mind just kind of dismisses the idea because you've been you've been educated for 8, 12, 16 years to believe that taxation is what runs government and government runs because of taxation. And it's just like a, a thought ending loop that we are that we're ingrained with. Um, right. So the idea would be to get back to your point. The idea would be that the infrastructure needs to be built by people a lot smarter than me and with specializations in public administration and law. Um, my, my skill is just political philosophy. I just love arguing and debating and creating a, creating frameworks. I hate doing, uh, I love talking though. I love dialogue. I can't tell. (laughs) I love whenever, I love whenever people tell me that I'm wrong and it forces me to reevaluate everything that I think about something. Um, so that's where my role I feel is best in this idea. And over time, uh, as I found on Twitter, People slowly find out about the idea. Some people hate it. Some people like it. And some people parrot the idea. Some people straight up spread crowdfundagovernment.com and some of the pictures that I have on the on the website. Some people are happy just to help me spread the idea. And that's okay. Um, I don't I don't think that what the system needs right now is a robust infrastructure. Because I had one guy reach out to me and say, Hey, I'd love to uh, I'd love to help you design the actual, you know, nuts and bolts of what a crowdfunded government would look like from a technology angle. And I said, I I really don't 
I, if you want to do it, great, but I don't think that's what we need right now. Um, you have crowdfunding platforms. You have Citizvestor, which went out of business but was doing civic crowdfunding for like parks and stuff. Um, right. We have examples of the technology. We have GoFundMe. We have Kickstarter. We, we know what the crowdfunding looks like. Um, to convert it into a municipal or a state-level system would just be more lines and more information. Um, so that's the reason why I don't focus on creating a workable proof of concept, even though I know some people really think that that's an interesting thing and they would like to see it. I mean, I'd like to see it too. But first of all, let's get a small enough percentage of the American population on board with this idea. And then certain areas getting very close to electing those politicians and putting it into place, or at least a baby version of it. Okay, then now now let's focus on the legal part, the academic part, the technology part. Okay, let's let's go for the infrastructure at that point. But if we're not even there yet, we're putting the cart in front of the horse. Understandable. The administration of this, how would this be administered? Right now we have the IRS that administers the tax code. How would a crowdfunded system be administered? I think uh, the bare bones of the IRS kind of makes sense for what it does. The IRS takes money and distributes money. It gets it and it sends it out uh, to the various uh, parts of the treasury that need it. And then the treasury disperses it. Um, so the way that I see a crowdfunded government working from a from a revenue collection, revenue distribution angle, largely the same. Um, the money goes in and the money goes out as it is uh, as it is determined by the politicians and by the programs that were funded. Um, now, kind of to go back to that idea which was we were talking at the start kind of the crowdfunded government 201 sort of the more advanced ideas i believe that that structure of taking the money and distributing the money would be something that would not be crowdfunded because it's too it's too fundamental to the system to have dictated by voluntary funding um you have to have that money on the crowdfunded government operation in order for it to operate um it's something that you wouldn't voluntarily fund because it's something that doesn't need 100% of its budget. It doesn't need 200% of its budget. It doesn't need less than 100%. It needs exactly what it needs to operate. So that was sort of where we got into the idea that there are certain things that the government has either promised or much must do that would be treated as an overhead expense. So that's where the sort of crowdfunded government administration fits in, sort of as a percentage of every dollar you give, maybe a penny goes to the actual running the crowdfunded system. So really you're giving 99% of your money to the program. And then 1% of that money is actually going to the administration of how it's technically administered. Um, but you know, the beauty of crowdfunded government is I don't have to have an answer to that. Um, each right. level of government is going to figure out the best way to do it in their own way. Um, so that's the other reason why I sort of shy away from getting too technical because that's not necessary. Even if I had this whole thing down to the chapter and verse of how all the law would be written, doesn't matter because I don't have enough people buying into the idea yet. Um, but that would be gotcha. the idea would be uh, essentially we have revenue collection departments now at the, at the city level, at the state level, at the county level, at the federal level. And those would just be transitioned to, from one thing you could get rid of is the enforcement. There's no need to no longer enforce that people give the money. Um, right. We can take that enforcement budget, throw it out. We don't need to enforce it anymore. We just need the, 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 the bean counters. We just need the computers. We just need the people who know how to get money from the, from the, the, the current taxpayers and eventually the voluntary contributors 
into the different buckets at the different treasuries to make the to make the magic happen behind the scenes. Right. I mean, with the uh, with the crowdfunded system, it, it seems like there's a little bit more transparency. But how would uh, people that pay into these different programs know for sure that this that what they're paying in for is going to make it to that program? Well, that's a great question, and it, it's actually a larger idea, which is um, should government crowdfunding be voluntary and transparent or voluntary and not transparent, hidden, secret? Because I can kind of see an argue for both or an argument from both points. Like if my giving to the government is public and I'm giving to programs that are unpopular in my area, couldn't people coerce me into, you know, couldn't, couldn't I be threatened at that point? Like, hey, we saw you gave a bunch of money to this program that we really disagree with. Um, So that sort of defeats the purpose of voluntary crowdfunding where there's coercion. Now, on the other hand, you bring up the opposite, which is if all this money was dark, there's a lot of potential for corruption and people, you know, reporting money going to one bucket and actually going to another bucket and out the back door through somebody's pocket. Um, One idea to prevent that, that I that I heard proposed um, and I really liked it on Twitter, is in integrating a some, some concept of blockchain into this equation, which would be you could make sure that your money went to your program without identifying who you are. Nice. So essentially, there would always be a paper trail showing that this transaction amount ended up in that bucket. And I can prove that it ended up in that bucket because it's on the list of dollar amounts that adds up to it. So there's a there there there's a there's a, a chain that connects the two and you know if it's 2019 I have to include blockchain in my proposal you know <laughs> absolutely <laughs> but that's the idea oh, who- is there has to be a way to keep it accountable and I think that's that's a good balance between privacy um, and uh, transparency but you know every level of government's going to have to figure out how to handle the, the the privacy versus transparency versus accountability and I'm I'm sure there would be fraud waste and abuse that happens and every organization private or public. That's an amazing answer. I was thinking about it as you were talking. I was like, man, well, what about, you know, where is this money going to go to? Who's going to decide where it goes to? And I think, yeah, I think you're right. Blockchain, I think that's the other the other tool that, you know, you mentioned that a couple of decades ago, you know, crowdfunding wouldn't been even a idea for, for government if it weren't because of technology. And you just brought up another one, which is blockchain. I think that's a, another very important tool that we didn't have, you know, only up until nearly a decade ago that it came out. And for it to be uh, accurate, I think that's the best tool to use is blockchain, Bitcoin or whatever. Or maybe we can create a whole brand new one for this system. Or, or just, a, just a chain. Just, just, uh, it doesn't have to be all sexy and, and crypto. It can just be... This transaction amount went to that bucket, and I can see that my my transaction ID ended up there. Good. Right, it doesn't have to be all sexy, and, and uh, now now I need a CFG coin. You know, I got an ICO coming out next year, guys. You know, <laughs> price nice. it at a penny. I th- I see this thing going to the moon. There you go. Uh, there's so many right now. Actually, I, I was looking into it because I have a, a crypto wallet that I rarely use. I've, I think I still even have a little bit of money in there that I haven't touched and it goes up and down, but, uh, there's definitely way too many. I think, uh, what is your idea on, uh, 
printed paper money nowadays? I mean, nobody really uses it that much, do they? I think uh, I think that discussion goes back to the whole monetary policy versus fiscal policy, where right. I, I try to stay out of the monetary policy discussion because it's so it's so hot. You know, like you get your gold bugs or your or your blockchain acts, and um, <laughs> Theodore, you're starting to sound like a libertarian. I'm telling you, libertarians <laughs> don't like me because they always they always checkmate me. They always say, "So if 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 the if the voters vote for Nazi Germany and they want to voluntarily crowdfund it, you're not going to stop it." And I'm like, "No, it's nonpartisan, apolitical." How many times do I have to say this to you, right? And then it's like, "Oh, this guy's a Nazi." I've had somebody say that to me, and I'm like, "Okay, fine. Um, call me what you want." You know, again, libertarians, we we eat our own man. It's crazy. I'm in a daily battle against. Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians, and that's why I kind of created this platform to try to avoid that and try to get people to talk and listen instead of arguing, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. Nothing's perfect. And I get it. We had a great example. We we had an interchange on Twitter and you you even made a little like a little fifteen minute video about it, which is if people don't listen to one another and their only goal is to get in the next gotcha and the next like irrational point based on another irrational point without even responding to what the other person says, we're not going anywhere. Um, right. And uh, we saw a great example of that. And it's really frustrating to see that because as you heard me say, social media is one of the key components of this current, this revolution of a voluntarily crowdfunded government. But there will always be trolls. There will always be people who are blowing off steam on the internet as opposed to trying to actually have a dialogue. So, Again, there is no perfect answer in life, in politics, on the internet. It's just that hopefully the most people want to have some kind of constructive dialogue. And occasionally there's always going to be jerks who are making a real mess of the whole thing and ignoring what you say and continuing to argue that tariffs are not involuntary taxation. I know, right? <laughs> Did you hear that, Matt? I swear, um, Matt is my. Have you you've heard of uh, Blastoff? Obviously, because you know who Raylene is. Of course. Um, and uh, you know how they have uh, Cindy, the soccer mom. This is the, the, this is your Cindy. This is my Cindy, Matt. You're my Cindy, Matt, the tariff guy. You got to have somebody, and again. I even a person like Matt who truly believes that um, tariffs are not an involuntary collection by government because people are voluntarily paying it to businesses, ignoring the fact that the businesses have to collect it and remit it and it has an, an impact on the business and it's not voluntary for the business to do so. Ignoring all of that, I can understand that Matt has an opinion that he strongly holds. Maybe one day he will see the error of his ways. And the only way that we're ever going to get through to people is to constantly tell our opinion, let them blow off steam, and maybe one day they'll change their opinion. Because like I said, 15, 10, 15 years ago, I was in a whole different camp of, I was not a voluntarist when it came to government funding. I was a believer that we should have stronger penalties for tax evasion. We should have more taxes. We should have more government programs. We should have, what else can the state do? Like was my was my big question and my big my big essays, my big homework assignments. So I mean somebody like me can come around and say, Hey, listen, I love big government, but only if people voluntarily want to pay for it. That's where I'm at now. There I you wasn't go. there I wasn't there fifteen years ago, so that's what I'm saying. Listen, we'll we'll, we'll get around to Matt. We'll we'll bring him you know, we'll bring him <laughs> at least to understand that, that tariffs are not voluntary. I would be happy to just get Matt to uh understand how to listen, I think. That would be a 
a victory for me. But all right, we'll leave Matt alone for now. Uh, <laughs> you knew it had to come up. Oh yeah. <laughs> you in fact you promised uh, him. You said when I get crowdfunded government, we're going to dedicate a segment just to you, buddy. Oh yeah, definitely. I love this uh, idea, and- by the way. If you just every internet troll you ever bump into, see, this is why I love that you have the platform. I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a podcast. I just go on people's podcasts. But I you would- need to do it. Um, there you but, go. Uh, that, that's actually a great idea if you wanted a very unique segment, which is like every internet troll gets five minutes, and you can just like I don't know five minutes with with uh, you know. Uh, you know, oh, the five minute mile, pacing the five minute mile, and then I don't know, you. Get uh... <laughs> and then <it's> like, <laughs> I'll give you five minutes. Let Let's do like a Skype, and we'll do five minutes, and you tell me what you think. You know, the rule is you That's can't. That's actually talk. A pretty, quite a good idea. But, I can't uh, even do those like live and everything. I, mean, I think the that rule would be is like you, you can't talk longer than like fifteen seconds. You know, like so no no lectures, right? You can only do direct like back and forth. It's got to be quick. It's got to right. be fun. And I think you'll you'll come to common ground with a lot of people pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, and something that I've realized with this platform, I think we're going to go ahead. What do you think? We Should we call it good? I think we reviewed uh, crowdfunded government. I think we went over frustrations on Twitter. I think we hit all yeah. the major. I think we hit all the major items. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's go ahead and sign off. All right, Theodore, give us a plug in again. The website is crowdfundedgovernment.com. The uh, Twitter is at crowdfundedgov. And all that I ask is that if you liked what you heard, please come on Twitter, bring me your hate. Don't tell me how much you enjoyed the podcast. Find me people who hate it. Send them my handle. Send me a few of my spicy tweets. And then have your statist uncle tell me how nobody will pay. And this is stupid. And I want the, I, I don't believe in roads and I don't believe in funding granny's healthcare. So. <laughs> Bring me if if you if you're a true fan, you will you will find me the haters and bring them to me because as you guys can tell, nothing nothing pleases me more than taking a debate, an argument apart, and really parsing through it step by step and kind of applying the crowdfunded government model. So find me on Twitter at crowdfundedgov. There you have it. Thanks again, Theodore, for being on Pace and Freedom. Remember to subscribe, like, review. Uh, We are on iTunes, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube. Trying to get myself into iHeart. I don't know why they're not responding. And you can also visit the website, paceandfreedom.webnode.com. And see you next time.